Good morning. To my right, we have Major West of the State Police. To my left, Melissa DeRosa, Secretary to the Governor. To her left, Robert Mejica, Budget Director of the State of New York. Today is day 96, dealing with the historic COVID-19 crisis. It's day 11 of the aftermath of the murder of Mr. Floyd uh, and the unrest and protest that has stemmed therefrom. Uh, as I said yesterday, this is dealing with the coronavirus in and of itself was the greatest challenge that government and society has had uh, in, in modern day. You put on top of that the situation with the murder of Mr. Floyd and the unrest afterwards. Those two compound each other. You then wrap it in this hyper-partisan, hyper-political period of time. We're in the middle of an election year, a heated election year, so everything becomes political. You add the issue of race on top of that. It is as dangerous a time as I have ever experienced. Uh, so keep the issues separate, stay smart, uh, and be honest. With the issue of the protesters, I share the outrage over not just Mr. Floyd's murder, but what it represents, one in a long string of uh, criminal injustices. It is a metaphor for the systemic racism and injustice that we have seen. And I stand with the protesters in the point that we need meaningful reform. I also believe that change, although often necessary, is very hard to effectuate in society. We all say change, change, change. But the truth is the status quo has tremendous energy. And it's very hard to change the status quo. Uh, it's very hard to bring about meaningful change. And it only happens when the people get fully mobilized and informed and demand change, and that's when you see change. That was the uh, labor rights reforms after the Triangle Shirtwaist factory fire. That was the environmental movement after the Storm King situation. Uh, that was the rebirth of the economy after the Great Depression. Uh, I believe this is a moment for national change and national reform. And I think it can be a positive moment for this country, but it has to be done intelligently. When you look at the two main crises that we're dealing with, the uh, Mr. Floyd murder aftermath and COVID-19, on the protests uh, post Mr. Floyd's murder, we had additional protests all across the state last night. We had them in uh, basically all of the cities largest activity, Buffalo, Rochester, Syracuse, Albany, New York City. I want to thank uh, the protesters who were mainly peaceful, which was smart because then they could make their point. You know, there are a lot of political forces that want to say, well, these protesters are just rabble-rousers. They're just criminals. Uh, they're not. They're young people. They're racially diverse. They're white people. They're African-American people, they're Latinos, they're just the young people who represent a cross-section of America who want change. 
there was also looting going on. And some people would like to say the protesters are the looters. No, no, they're not. They're very, very different. You have to keep them separate. So I want to thank the protesters who protested peacefully to make their point uh, and defy or frustrate the political forces that would like to say these protests are all criminals. No. Uh, they're people who want change and reform in their right. Uh, and we have to keep the two separate. And the protesters have to help us keep the two separate. And they did. Uh, New York City was mainly peaceful. Uh, there were a number of arrests. And there were a number of police officers who were hurt. Uh, one police officer was stabbed in the uh, neck. Uh, two police officers had gunshot wounds, I believe, uh, both to their hands. That is intolerable. The police are doing an impossible job. Uh, they're trying to deal with the protesters. They're trying to stop looting. And uh, they're trying to keep themselves safe because the police want to go home to their families. Uh, there is no tolerance for violence against the police officer, period, uh, in any part of this state, period. Uh, I also want to reinforce the New York City District Attorneys. You have scenes of looting that are on videotape that are indefensible and inexcusable. Looting is criminal activity, number one. Looting now is exploiting this situation with the protests. They know that the police are going to be busy with the protesters. They're then using that as an opportunity to loot, and that is inexcusable. And to the New York City district attorneys, uh, you look at these videos, uh, it would be uh, nonsensical if the police were arresting looters and they were then being arrested and returned to the street the next day to loot again. That would be uh, nonsensical, right? The district attorneys charge crimes. I'm a former assistant district attorney. Uh, you look at these videos, burglary two can be burglary with a dangerous, dangerous instrument, like a pipe, like a crowbar, like a rock, like a brick. But if you have looters who are using rocks, breaking windows, stealing, these people should be charged for the crime that they are committing and bail set, right? Uh, I understand the political environment. I also understand that the law is the law. And they should charge crimes appropriately. On the COVID-19 front, good news, continued good news. Total number of hospitalizations are down. Number of lives lost, 52 a little bit higher than yesterday, but this is all within the uh, statistically, these are irrelevant differences. Uh, I don't believe the system is this statistically accurate. So we're seeing a continued decline there. 
although obviously 52 lives lost are 52 too many. Uh, but we see that uh, overall movement is still in a positive direction. A uh, few more facts so people understand exactly where we are and how far we've come. The testing is the most immediate data on where you are. Testing is you test people yesterday and you know how many people tested positive yesterday, okay? We do about 50,000 tests per day. Is that a lot or a little? It's more than any state per capita. It's more than any country per capita. And one day we'll talk about how New York was able to ramp up their testing to be the testing capital of the world. But uh, 50,000 tests per day. That is immediate, an immediate snapshot of where you are. 50,000 tests yesterday, Long Island, 2% test positive, New York City 2% test positive, Western New York 2% test positive, Capital Region 1% test positive, okay? Which is remarkable in many ways. It's remarkable in comparison to the other. If you remember, New York City was much higher than upstate New York. Uh, and now you see Long Island, New York City, Western New York, all about the same, Capital District a little, a little lower, but again, these numbers when you get that close, I wouldn't rely on them. But look at how far we've come. Long Island was 2% yesterday. Two weeks ago, it was 4%, double that. Uh, I'm sorry, two weeks ago, it was 4%, double that. Four weeks ago, one month, it was 11%. Uh, six weeks ago, it was 20%. We went from 20% to 2% in six weeks. Well, what difference does this socially distance make, masks make? I think it's all a bunch of malarkey. Oh, really? Then you tell me how those numbers drop like that. Everything we have done is smart and is working. And it's in the numbers. It's not my opinion. It's not my theory. It's not because I'm from New York. It's not because I'm a Democrat. It's in the numbers. New York City was 26% six weeks ago, 2% today. Western New York, 15% down to 2%. Capital District, 12% six weeks ago. Six weeks ago was like yesterday. So we're making great progress. But as fast as these numbers came down is as fast as these numbers can go up. As fast as these numbers come down is as fast as those numbers go up. Speaking to somebody this morning, I used a bizarre metaphor. I lost five pounds over the past 10 days. Yay! Okay. You lose discipline, and you go back to your old eating habits and non-exercise habit, you'll put those five pounds right back on over the next 10 days. It came off, it'll go right back on. It is a uh, tortured analogy for this situation. This is all a function of our behavior. Nothing more, nothing less. On the reopening, reopen with caution. Why? Because we've seen too many examples of reopening 
where they didn't do it right and it boomeranged, period. You look at the states that opened fast, without metrics, without guardrails, it's a boomerang. Uh, and it's not just one or two states as an example. North Carolina, look at these numbers of these other states. Look at when they opened and look at the line after they reopened. North Carolina, South Carolina, Texas, Arizona, look at those numbers. This happens in New York with our density, we go right back to where we were. And it's not the exception, it's almost the rule. California, you look at them reopening and then look at the curve after the reopening. California, Florida, Mississippi, Missouri, Alabama, Arkansas, Tennessee, Utah, what am I worried about? I'm worried about that. Why? Because it happens quite often. As a matter of fact, it probably happens more times than not. And if we're not smart, that's what's going to happen here. Sweden had a different policy. Sweden didn't do the full close down. They did a limited close down. And everybody said, oh, well, why don't we do what Sweden did? I said, well, we're not Sweden. And who knows that what Sweden is doing is actually right. The lead person for Sweden who came up with the plan, we don't have to close down, now says, oops, maybe we should have closed down. More people died than had to die. Even the countries that did it right and then reopen see this second wave, this second spike, where the numbers go up again. So, I'm not a nervous Nelly. I just read the numbers. With the protesters, they could actually compound the situation. Why? You have 30,000 people who have been protesting statewide. You look at the video as, far, as well as I look at the video. Many of them wear masks, thank God. But there's no social distancing. You look at the encounters with the police, the police are right in their face, they're right in the face of the police. 20,000 protesters in New York City, 1,000 protesters on Long Island. These are big numbers. Uh, and yes, they're young people and they're superheroes and nothing can affect me. We're gonna open the testing facilities for all people who are at a protest. The super spreader, all these new terms, super spreader. What's a super spreader? Super spreader is what happened to us in New Rochelle, Westchester, where we had the first hot spot, new term, in the United States of America. One person, one person can infect hundreds. If you were at a protest, go get a test, please. The protesters have a civic duty here also. Be responsible, get a test, go to the website, find out the testing site nearest you. We have 700 in the state. You can get a test, get a test. Also, allow the p police to do their job when you're protesting. The reason the peaceful protest is so important, not just so you don't get categorized, stereotyped as criminals, 
but so the police can actually focus on their job, which is stopping the looting. Wear a mask and tell people that you may have been exposed to COVID. If you were at one of those protests, I would, out of an abundance of caution, assume that you are infected. And tell people, when you go home, tell your parents, tell your sister, tell your brother, who may not be 25 years old and consider them a superhero, consider themselves a superhero. Tell people, I may have been exposed. And act like you may have been exposed. Because by the way, you may have been exposed. And you're not worried about yourself? That's a different conversation. Worry about your 55-year-old grandfather, or your 62-year-old grandmother, or your 60-year-old parent, or uncle, or aunt. They can die from this virus. And by the way, you could too, but that's a separate conversation. Also, there's a lag in the numbers, remember. Somebody goes to a protest last night to get infected. You don't find out today. You don't find out tomorrow. You don't find out the next day. It can be four or five days until any symptoms show. Symptoms may never show, right? Asymptomatic transfer. And if you're really seriously ill, they may be in a hospital in eight to 12 days. Eight to 12 days is a long time when we're measuring day to day to decide what to do. You saw the difference in the numbers. Two weeks is a lifetime in the numbers. So if you had a viral spread through these protests, we're not going to see it in the numbers for a while. And in the meantime, we're making all these decisions on reopening. So it's important that people act responsibly for themselves. You went to a protest, get a test, tell people, act as if you may have been exposed. New York City enters phase one Monday with all of this going on. New York City had the highest number of protesters. We have to be smart. The protesters themselves could wind up causing a spike. So we have to be smart. The businesses that were looted, and look, the other reason why uh, I'm saying to the district attorneys, uh, they should take these looters and punish them for what they did. Many of the businesses they looted were mom and pop businesses in distressed communities that were struggling in the first place. Uh, in New York City, uh, Rochester, many of these businesses were essential businesses for the poorest communities in those locales. Uh, and they, they looted mom and pop stores that don't have the resources to rebuild and reopen. So we're going to do everything that we can do to help them. Uh, Department of Financial Services, DFS, uh, regulates the insurance industry. They're going to, going to direct insurers to expedite all claims for all looted businesses, free mediation services to accept photos as proof. If a looted business has trouble with their insurance company, go to the Department of Financial Services, uh, the website, and they will provide relief. Where, because the numbers today are good, we're going to act on the data that we have. We're going to go to outdoor dining as part of phase two. 
uh, and that affects all the communities that are already in phase two, and there are a number that are about to enter phase two. Uh, Westchester, Rockland, Hudson Valley go next Tuesday. Long Island goes next Wednesday. Remember what outdoor dining is. It is outdoors. That's why it's called outdoor dining. I know you have a lot of restaurants that want to open. This doesn't say restaurants open. Uh, the enclosed spaces are, are an issue. Outdoor dining, there's no roof. There could be a canopy, but it is outdoor space. It's open air space. The wind is blowing. Uh, there's ventilation. It's open air space. You're still six feet apart, wear face coverings, uh, and there's uh, uh, points in the guidelines that are online. But I want to stress this is outdoor dining space. It's not a restaurant with the doors open. It is outdoor dining space. Uh, school year is coming to an end. I know a lot of graduates are disappointed. We're going to allow drive-in and drive-through student graduations. Uh, we're going to keep evaluating. I get this. I get this on a personal level. My Michaela graduated college, was supposed to graduate college this year. Well, she did graduate college this year. She just didn't have the ceremony. Uh, and, you know, she worked so hard, and it's one of those real uh, moments in life. Uh, going to a college graduation or a high school graduation. So not to have the graduation is painful. I get it. As soon as we can do it, uh, we will. If there's a way, drive-ins or drive-throughs can be helpful. Uh, I hope that makes a difference in the meantime. Uh, I talked to Michaela about it. Look, this is just a bizarre time. It's a time they'll write about in the history books for years to come. They'll talk about for years to come. Uh, I've said all along, it's also a time of reflection, value changing, learn about yourself, learn about your family, you learn about people. I said to Michaela, what do you want for graduation? Any other year she would have said money. Uh, she just goes for the money and then that allows her to get what she wants to get, so there's certain logic to that. This year she said to me, I want something that means something to you. I said, what does that mean? She said, well, I want something that just means something to you. I said, how about I give you money and then you buy something that you think? She said, no, no, I want something that means something to you. Uh, she would not have said that at any other time but for this. I think it's, it's changed all of us. It's given us all a different perspective. I'm going to give Michaela my watch. What means, made me think, what means something to me? What means something to me? I'm gonna give her my watch. It means something to me. It's uh, the best thing I have that my father gave me. My father gave me the watch when I was elected uh, attorney general, my father and mother. Uh, so I've had it for, uh, I've had it for about 14 years, but it means something to me. So she won't be able to wear it because it's a man's watch. Maybe she can, but it means something to me. And you know what? Uh, it's a smarter gift. It's a better gift. Uh, means something to her, means something to me. And uh, this whole period has brought us to a deeper place as a family, for my own family. 
and for myself. But I get what it's like not to have the graduation. Today at 2 o'clock, we'll have a moment of silence statewide in respect for Mr. Floyd uh, and his murder and his family's pain and grief. Uh, and as a, a symbolic moment to say, we understand what happened, we're sorry, we grieve, and this is an injustice that should never happen again. And we're going to act, we're going to act in the state of New York. Uh, we'll pass 50A, which releases disciplinary records, but uh, we, we stand in solidarity with the senselessness of his brutal murder. And that is part of being New York tough, smart, united, disciplined, loving. It's about being loving, loving for one another.